Hello and welcome to the newest episode of the Womb with a View podcast, powered by Campaign Life Coalition Youth, where we chat about all things pro-life in Canada. We're your hosts, Maeve and Kim. And we're so excited to be here with you all today. Um, So we're going to be talking a little bit about something that um, is is kind of a a mystery to a lot of people. Um, We're going to be talking about the United Nations. So as an organization, um, Campaign Life Coalition, we have NGO status, um, ECOSOC NGO status with the United Nations which means that we're able to participate um, at the civil society level um, at the United Nations. So we're kind of going to talk a little bit about what the UN is, what it does, how does it work, um, why we're involved, and how we engage as well. Um, And we're going to share a bit about our experience thus far. Um, For Kim and I, we've been involved at the UN for just over a year now mm-hmm. um however clc as an organization we've been involved for over 20 years so um we're going to chat a little bit about that today so first and foremost for anyone who's not aware who didn't um who didn't learn about how the un system works what the setup looks like um we're gonna i just want to talk a little bit about how it's organized and what the different streams of participation look like. So first and foremost, um, there are delegates and member states sort of at the inner ring of the UN. So um, delegates represent the various member states who are present at whatever session is involved. So the delegates are essentially representing their own country, um, the country um of their of their origin um, and their citizenship. So they're appointed by their governments to come to the UN um, to engage in international relations and to represent their country um, and the the positions and the values of their country. Um, and their job is to sort of report back to capital as well as have their capitals um, prep them ahead of meetings and sessions and discussions negotiations um with the information that they are obligated to relay on behalf of the country that which they represent so that's sort of how the delegate member state system works and they're sort of the core of the un um and then sort of on the outskirts we have un agencies which are un organization run so they're sort of the the people and the actors that are in charge of like distributing funds um, based on the agreed conclusions, which we'll talk a little bit about that as well, um, that come out of various conferences and commissions um, in order to kind of, they're sort of like the hands and feet of the UN um, and ensure that the entire organization and the infrastructure is working in accordance with these conclusions um so providing the like the monetary distributions um and sort of like 
inter-dialoguing with countries in order to accomplish certain goals that are agreed upon at these commissions and conferences. Mm -hmm. So that's sort of like the two inner rings is the delegates and the member states and then the UN agencies, which includes like UNFPA, UNICEF, um, and all of these big UN agencies that I'm sure you've heard of before. Um, And then us, civil society, which is just, you know, civilians and civil organizations, non-governmental organizations, they can apply to receive ECOSOC, um, which is like economic social status with the UN. So we're allowed to participate in certain ways, but we're not on the inner ring. So there are certain areas in which we're um, like, we're not able to participate. So for example, during the negotiations, because we're not a country, we don't have the ability to um, actually provide guidance or our, our, you know, two cents in terms of what sort of policies we want to adopt and we want the UN to adopt and UN agencies. So we're allowed to influence in different ways. So I'm going to talk a little bit about our engagement as well. So, um, how we engage as civil society is, well, we're permitted to attend certain events that are not closed events to just member states. So most events are open to some sort of civil society um, participation, be it through like we could submit written statements to read out during events as an opportunity to share what we think, even though it's not um, necessarily adopted by the UN regardless because we are not representing a country um and the UN is sort of like a coalition of countries um well international coalition of countries mm-hmm. so essentially our participation involves being able to engage with delegates and trying to persuade them um of certain policy adoptions. So for example, when we're talking about abortion, we can approach delegates to talk to them about abortion, why they should oppose it, um, why we should oppose language that um, includes abortion in UN documents, um, and why negotiations should not should work to not permit abortions to take place. Um, so that's how we can sort of influence is by having conversations with individual delegates who are representing countries. Um, we can also engage by holding parallel and side events, which parallel events are sort of on the outskirts of UN premises. So they take place outside of the UN headquarters and side events occur at various conferences and commissions, but inside the UN building. So we can engage in those ways. So trying to influence delegates to make statements during conferences and events and also holding our own side events and inviting delegates. So that's sort of how we can engage um, with our NGO ECOSOC status with the UN. Um, So sort of to like backtrack a little bit, I kind of want to do a brief overview of what it means, like what the what the purpose of the UN is. Um, So as most people know, the UN was founded in 1945 following World War II with the objective and the purpose of peacekeeping and global solidarity to prevent another Holocaust from taking place. So that's sort of where the UN began and that does continue to be their mission. Um, So now 
as an or as a as a system as an international system they're still working towards that like global solidarity and those peacekeeping um objectives however a lot of these things have been hijacked with um anti-family and anti-life goals and policies so for example like the implementation of abortion overseas, um, the implementation of and distribution of birth control and sterilization of um, countries in the global south. So we can kind of talk a little bit more about that later. But ultimately, we do see certain areas in which the UN has um, kind of strayed from that initial objective, which is peacekeeping and global solidarity. Um, so the UN does continue to hold various commissions and events and conferences to um, continue to ameliorate their policies. Um, so these negotiations take place between member states where they decide, okay, what are the goals that we want to focus on? Um, and then af- at the end of these conferences and negotiations, we're left with a resolution document, which includes all of the sort of agreed conclusions um, of these negotiations, which thenceforth becomes policy. Um, So oftentimes uh, the UN, people consider UN resolution documents to be non-binding on countries, but the reality is that they are binding um, in the sense that they're binding on the UN agencies, which then translates to, um, you know, how this money is being distributed, how these resources are being distributed to countries, what sort of policies countries are being forced to adopt. Um, so the reality is that these these resolutions matter, which is why we need to engage with the UN, um, because they are binding. Um, so that's sort of just an overview of the structure of the UN, um, which probably a lot to there's a lot more we could delve into but that's just sort of like a generalized overview um so i don't know kim what were your initial thoughts like i know we were we were asked by um our coworker matt who is our sort of un um department head so he's sort of in charge of this this stuff and he's been attending un events and been involved at the un for a number of years now and so we're slowly um having these rains pass to us um and we were able to start to attend these events for the first time so i'm curious kim like what what was your initial like what were your initial thoughts um when you were asked to attend the un what maybe what did you think about the un prior to us being involved there it was honestly such an honor when matt asked us to come to the un because never in my life like it's when I post on my stories, when I go to the UN, people ask me like, oh, were you at Model UN? And I say like, no, I was at like actual UN meetings. And it's just, it blows my mind that we have this privilege that we do to get to participate at the UN as a non-governmental organization accredited. So one of the events that we go to is United Nations Commission on the Status of Women. So for those that don't know, it is 
dedicated to promoting gender equality and the empowerment of women. It was established in 1946, so right after the UN started, and is a functional commission on the ECOSOC Council. The primary function of the UNCSW is to promote women's rights, document the reality of women's lives throughout the world, and shape global standards on gender equality and the empowerment of women. The commission meets annually to discuss progress made towards achieving gender equality, identifying challenges and gaps, and propose policy recommendations recommendations to address them. This is one of the biggest pro-abortion events at the UN every year. So as an ECOSOC accredited NGO, we send a group of youth delegates every year to sort of push back and support pro-life and pro-family countries and just have a pro-life presence there so that we can be aware of what's going on at the UN, be aware of what funding they want to support. And so the key document at the CSW is the agreed conclusion. So anything that ends up in that document, the UN gives funding to. So if something controversial gets into that document, like for example, comprehensive sexuality education or sexual and reproductive health and rights, if those get, get into the agreed conclusions, then the money from the UN has to go towards those things. But the good thing is that these conclusions have to have consensus from all the countries that participate in the commission. So this past year, it was successful for us pro-lifers that there was no controversial language in the con agreed conclusions. So at all the side events, sometimes there was an opportunity for questions, but obviously at the ones put on by International Planned Parenthood, um, the very pro-abortion events, they didn't let us ask any questions. So I remember at one of the events, we knew it would be very pro-abortion. We had a group of eight girls with us, but we all sat scattered across the room because we wanted to make sure that we would have the chance to ask a bunch of different questions. So we thought if we all raise our hand sitting beside each other, they would know that we're all pro-lifers, probably have the same opinions. But we didn't end up getting to have a chance to ask our questions. But after the event ended, we went up to the panelists and directly asked them our questions. And it was really fun. It was really interesting to get to um, interact with them and to get them to know that there was a pro-life presence there at the UN. It was really fun to get to have that pro-life presence at the UN. Amay, what was your experience? Yeah. Um, well, I know like before I I went to the UN for the first time, I think often we're taught, especially in schools, that it's a very benevolent organization or like international coalition. Um, and I, I certainly would agree that there is a lot of good that is done um, by the UN, especially in terms of um, their foreign aid policies, um, certain foreign aid policies um, mm -hmm. and their desire to like eradicate poverty and ensure that people have clean drinking water. Like those are all really benevolent goals but the more you delve into the UN, the more you attend events, you sort of are, you you begin to realize that a lot of these foreign aid funding um, objectives or, or policies have strings attached, uh, meaning that in order for these these countries that are that are especially in the global south, um, so a lot of places in Africa um, that adhere to traditional values, um, are that are in need of things like maternal health care um, or you know access to education for young women um, in order to accept these things and be given these things they also have to accept things like abortion and contraception and sterilization mm -hmm. things that are really harmful so i think like initially 
when when I thought about the UN, I thought about it in sort of this benevolent light. But now that we've had the opportunity to attend events, um, you realize that behind the curtains of benevolence, there's a lot of really um, evil things that are happening there, um, which is why it's so important for us to engage. So I know at CSW, it's sort of this whirlwind of events and it's it's just sort of a very chaotic week it 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 spans over two weeks but we attended for for the first half of the of the conference or the commission um and so you're there and the pro-life presence is very very small there we had a delegation of eight young people um and we we worked with some other pro-life delegations um, but we certainly are in the minority. So we have we do have certain allies. Um, like we work with Alliance Defending Freedom, um, focused on the family. Um, we also work with uh, the Holy Seed delegation, um, which is just an observer state. So they don't actually get a say in negotiations. But nonetheless, um, we we work with these other pro-life NGOs and other pro-life um, member states. But we're still in the minority. So you're here at CSW, you're you're in UN headquarters, and there's like tons and tons of young people. Like it's super, it feels very touristy. Mm-hmm. Um, like the building is packed, it's crazy. And you know, all of these people that are there for the most part are representing pro-abortion delegations. So, you know, Planned Parenthood, International Planned Parent Planned Parenthood Federation sends probably a giant delegation maybe hundreds of youth to represent them at these events to fill rooms with pro-abortion young people um and so this conference that is intended to be um a conference that is focused on women and Mm -hmm. um you know upholding our dignity and um allowing us to utilize our voices Mm -hmm is hijacked by abortion and by contraception um, because supposedly the pinnacle of women's rights is the achievement of abortion you know and so that's that's something that was really disturbing to me is you know Mm -hmm. we're in the minority and we're we're sitting in these all these events and these these conferences and these you know side and parallel events and continuously being you know hammered into the audience is this idea that women require the require access to sexual reproductive health and rights which is un lingo for or terminology to um you know convey abortion and contraception mm-hmm. um and that's sort of that's being hammered into us this entire commission and it's like is this is this what like is this the only thing that women can aspire to is having quote-unquote full reproductive freedom like certainly not so you know an organization that's supposed to be in favor of human rights um and opposing genocide is working so hard behind closed doors to promote this idea that women require sexual reproductive health and rights to be free and this requirement is mentioned more so than education, more so than ma- the actual maternal health care, like prenatal care for yeah. pregnant women, um, mm-hmm. access to health care for women. Like th- this is sort of the pinnacle of CSW. So I found that really disturbing. 
-hmm. But um, yeah, we attended a ton of different events and being able to, like, we have so many stories to share, but, um, and not enough time, but yeah, like we, we attended a a ton of events, but I'm going to kind of touch on one event that I, that I thought was really interesting. And maybe Kim can also chime in, you can also chime in a bit as well. Um, But there was one event. So um, the top UN repertoire for health um, happens to be an abortionist as well. Um, Mm -hmm. And so we got word from one of our um, co-workers while we were at the UN that Mm -hmm. this health repertoire and abortionist on the side, um, and keep in mind, health repertoire, like this is the person that they that the UN agencies and delegations go to, to seek, um, you know, advice on healthcare policies. And so not only does she actively kill human beings, um, but she's, you know, which is antithetical to healthcare. This is somebody that we're trusting to tell us what sort of health policy should be adopted, which is just disturbing on all fronts. But this lady, um, she so she was hold, we got word from one of our coworkers that she was holding a private event um that was being held in a church basement actually the UN church basement i don't remember the name of the church um mm-hmm. but that was just disturbing on its own but keep in mind these UN churches aren't like authentic churches they're sort of like non-denominational anyone can come to these places to pray um which sort of yeah anyways so we we've got word that this event was taking place in a church basement so all of us signed up for the event um and for a lot of these un you know parallel inside events you have to sign up and this specific event was just talking about abortion mm-hmm. um and so we thought it would be perfect to attend um, as pro-lifers and try and get all of our our delegation of young people to be in there in that room and challenge them on these ideas, especially being able to challenge this health repertoire. So we all registered online. Um, and in order to attend, we didn't realize this until we were there, but um, in order to attend, you had to have received a ticket. So all of us received like a confirmation email that we registered, but we didn't, only one of our um, delegate members received like an actual ticket with the address on it. So of course she shared it around um, with our delegation and we all headed over to the church basement. We went into the room and we all sat down um and then a a young woman who i guess was like ushering at the event um she was in charge of like the sign up sheet she came around to each of us and asked us for our names and our emails um and when none of our names or our emails were on the sign up sheet um she told us we had to leave so we did um and only one of our um one of our fellow delegates was able to stay because um she sort of like stayed on the low didn't sit with us um <laughs> which was probably smart so somehow she was able to sneak through the cracks of this girl who was ensuring that everyone was um on the sign up sheet um and she was able to stay for the entirety of this event and it was really interesting um and so 
yet she was able to stay record the entirety of the event um and maybe in a future episode we could include you know maybe some snippets from that specific interview um mm. or that specific event because some really disturbing things were said the audio is not great but um potentially in a future episode we could cover that event more extensively but you know it's it's very disturbing and they don't want pro-life people to be participating in these sorts of events because they know that we're there to challenge them on their position and they're afraid of that Mm -hmm. so I think it was really interesting that you know one of one of our delegates did actually get a ticket and she was still kicked out um and one of one of our delegates who didn't have one was able to stay um Mm -hmm. by the grace of God so um I think certainly there's a strong push to not allow for pro-life people to engage at the CSW or any sort of conference. And we we're seeing that time and time again. Um, so yeah, I don't know if you have anything you wanted to add Kim in terms of like that specific event or like our rejection to participate. Yeah. I remember they said to her, um, we want to keep this a closed safe space. And she said to them, like, what part of me being there is not facilitating a safe space she was just sitting there she was like the sweetest girl I know so she's not going to do anything violent um but they refused to let anyone associated with a pro-life organization stay in that event and I also want to talk about how this abortionist considered herself a rebellious catholic she started the um side event earlier that day introducing herself um and then she said that she's an abortion provider and a rebellious catholic so I just I just can't imagine having those two different mindsets um, because it's just antithetical to Christianity to support abortion, let alone perform abortions, commit abortions yourself. And I did have the chance to walk up to her after I didn't get to ask any questions, but I did walk past her and I briefly said, is a safe abortion only one person dies because she kept talking about how we need abortions and we need them to be safe. But no abortion is safe because every abortion intentionally kills an innocent life. And obviously we don't want moms to die from abortions. We don't want anyone to die from abortion. So the idea of a safe abortion is just crazy because a safe abortion doesn't exist. Exactly. Well, I I just want to say that that was like a very impressive um, one-liner that you you were able to... um, convey to her because I I certainly can't think that quickly on my feet so good on you for saying something because yeah I'm like I don't did she respond to that I don't think she did she didn't she just like smirked like mm-hmm. and then walked away like she didn't want to engage in right. conversation well you never know you know that comment could be sitting with her to this day I think it's mm-hmm. it's so true you know um so yeah like there throughout the the week that we were there there's just so many instances of things like that happening where you know our goal is to connect with with people um Mm -hmm. and delegates and other ngos to try and further the pro-life message um and hopefully convince them of our position so that they'd be willing to vote favorably um in terms of negotiations and um, including certain language which we of course would oppose having anything srhr related included in any documents Mm -hmm. um so yeah the the week was pretty it was kind of a whirlwind week um but something that we did see consistently and that we're continuing to see is 
lack of opportunity for engagement post event. So at the end of events, typically they open up the floor for civil society and attendees to ask questions, make comments, um, especially, you know, asking questions of the panelists who spoke at the event. Mm-hmm. Um, and keep in mind, there's like hundreds of events that take place over the course of the two weeks. It's pretty yeah. insane. Um, and so at these events, though, especially pro-abortion events, they did not afford the opportunity to ask questions or address the panelists. So we sort of tried to work around that by taking it upon ourselves to approach delegates post, um, you know, event so in panelists post event so that we could have conversations with them. Um, and so, yeah, I think ultimately it was it really was a whirl a whirlwind week um and we attended so many events um and we were able to have so many conversations um and so one one thing that we did that we were granted the privilege to to participate in was one of our allies another ngo that's actually located in um new york is cfam um and so they they're an accredited NGO and so they held a side event um on in the UN headquarters um on opposing comprehensive sexuality education and allowing for parents to be the primary educators of their children um and it was an excellent event and so that was something that was really great to see on UN premises is a room packed full of people especially majorly majorly people who do not agree with our position attending this event and actually hearing what people are saying which is really great which is sort of the purpose of the UN is for people to come together with different perspectives to mm-hmm. engage over these topics um we also were able to attend various events at the Nigeria house mm-hmm. um which we know that Obviously, Nigeria is sort of an allied delegation um, because they are a pro-family, pro-life country um, in most instances. And so they held a screening of what is a woman um, with Matt Walsh. Um, He was supposed to attend, actually, and he didn't, which was a little disappointing. But nonetheless, um, they were able to hold a screening and we attended. um, And it was just a lovely experience to be able to have things like that taking place at a UN event, you know? Um, So despite all the darkness and the disturbing pro-abortion rhetoric that's being pushed at the UN, we're also seeing the ability for pro-lifers to still engage in certain ways, which is really great. Mm -hmm. Um, So those are sort of the silver linings of the CSW and just being able to connect with like-minded people. Mm -hmm. Um, But I do kind of want to talk about another event that we attended, um another um conference which was sort of the polar opposite of the CSW so this conference is called the um United Nations Commission on Population and Development um or UNCPD which is another um body that's established by the UN ECOSOC Council to provide guidance um and supposedly promote policies and programs related to population issues um so it's sort of it focuses on a, a wide range of, of issues, um, but primarily this conference is very pro-abortion because 
it has a strong emphasis on population control. So there's sort of the alarmist position that um, our population is drastically exponentially increasing. Um, how do we mitigate this population spike with the resources we have available? Um, and evidently the solution seems to be that killing preborn children is the the best route to take instead of mitigating um, the fact that we, that population control, first of all, or overpopulation is a myth, um, mm -hmm. and that, um, you know, population control is a eugenics position, and it's never ethical in terms of killing human beings to mm -hmm. mitigate over, supposed overpopulation, um, and that people are our ultimate resource, um, mm -hmm. and that we can be more resourceful the more people we have we can be we can use technology to better support our growing population um and that the earth can actually sustain our growing population but nonetheless this conference exists um and we attended this conference in april um and it was totally different than csw in some some good ways um so obviously at this conference um it's way less touristy. It's not like a Planned Parenthood um, party at the UN headquarters. In fact, there's not many um, NGOs present or civil society representatives present. So Kim and I were like, you and I were kind of um, pretty much the only pro-life people. There were like a couple others that were in attendance um, at the UN headquarters Um but it was just such a quiet conference. It was kind of eerie. You know, it's like you're attending, you're inside this giant UN building and there's like no one around really. Um, mm -hmm. So it was a really unique experience, but it also felt way more intimate, which was really cool because we were actually able to have a ton of conversations with delegates. Um, and it's super meaningful because this com this conference is focused on abortion. That's sort of their central target is discussing population control and mitigating population um, growth with abortion. So we were able to talk to a ton of delegates. Um, and I don't know if you want to kind of, did you want to kind of share about what the agreed conclusions looked like um, and the outcomes of this? Because I, I thought it was really, really interesting to witness. It was honestly iconic to witness. Um, so uh the CPD took place the week, the week after um, Easter, but it would have been Friday, East Good Friday for Orthodox Catholics, and the chair of the commission is the one that is there for the negotiations. They type out the whole document. He sends the member states the document at ten thirty at night, and apparently put in some controversial language that wasn't agreed upon in the negotiations. So the next day when they ha have the meeting to make the document final, 22 countries stood up and said like, no, we didn't agree upon this. The document needs to have consensus. So you need to throw out the whole document. So if things are mentioned in the document, funding goes to those things. So if there's no document, there, the funding doesn't get allocated to any of the things. So a lot of people were really angry that the whole document got thrown out and that they wouldn't just agree to not have any controversial language on it because the theme for the CPD this year was education. And I think everyone can agree that education is important for children, but they were 
conflating that education and comprehensive sexuality education are the same thing. That you can't have just education, that you can't just teach students math, English, um, social skills like science. That you ha- if you're going to have education, you need to have comprehensive sexuality education. So it was just really disheartening to see that they the pro-abortion and the anti-family countries weren't willing to compromise to give millions of students the money they need to support their education systems. But it was also a, a nice surprise to see that 22 countries were against the comprehensive sexuality education language that was used in the document. Yeah, it was it was so amazing to be sitting in that room. Keep in mind, we were sitting beside several Planned Parenthood representatives, International Planned Parenthood Federation um, representatives, and, you know, the scoffing, the eye rolling that was taking place. Mm -hmm. Um, It was really unique to be able to sit in that room and actually see a positive outcome. I mean, certainly having an outcome document is ideal because that's how the UN can can function um that's how the the un can can allocate resources but if that outcome document has controversial language we'd prefer that there be no document at all Mm -hmm. um so to have 22 countries stand up in opposition to the language that was included in the document is really amazing it was really powerful to sit in that room um, and so we were able afterwards to approach delegates and thank them for their incredible pro-family statements. Um, so like people from from Nigeria and other countries um, that were taking a stand for families and for mm-hmm. children in opposition to this controversial language. Um, so I did think that was quite amazing to witness. Um, and that was sort of at the end of our our time at the ICBD because we we initially we kind of were um, we were attending events and they did touch on abortion but it was just a very slow week um, because there's less events taking place and so it was sort of a lovely conclusion to our time there to be able to witness that firsthand inside the UN headquarters that was really amazing. Um, so all in all, I think for sure, at least for myself, I thought the ICPD was, or I guess UNCPD, um, was was just an incredible experience. And I think I enjoyed it more so than CSW um, because of the intimacy of it, because it feels we were we were granted more opportunities to have conversations with delegates, which is really what we want when we're there. Um and it's more difficult to do so when rooms are flooded with young people. And we're talking like teenagers, yeah. um, like high school kids are there representing Planned Parenthood, um, which is really disturbing. So it was a nice contrast um, to attend the Conference on Population Development in comparison to um, Commission on the Status of Women. So those were like the two major conferences we attended this year. Um, but... We also attended a couple other conferences throughout the year. So our our first time at the UN, we attended an event with CFAM on human trafficking. And that was sort of like our introduction to the United Nations um, being on on their property um, and inside their building. 
So that was really unique. But of course, that was a a pro-family, pro-life event. So that was really a nice way to sort of get our get our feet wet at the UN. Um, but just two months ago, yeah, in September, we um we attended another event um which was over a weekend. Um mm-hmm. and that was the NGO SDG action weekend ahead of their general assembly. Um and it was very interesting. We won't have time to go into detail today because um there's just so many things that occurred that weekend that were just really um just disturbing and also kind of saddening. Um but we do have a blog on our CLC youth page. So um if you go to www.campaignlifecoalition.com slash CLC dash blog, um we we have the blog on there and it'll also be in the show notes and description as well if you're interested in reading more about that experience. But following each of our um UN um event weeks or days or whatever we always write various reports on the things we experience at these conferences and our findings and the outcomes so if you're interested in learning more about um what attending UN events looks like Mm -hmm. and what our findings are you can definitely check that out in our show notes as well um and I also just want to talk a little bit about what's next but I guess Kim if you want to uh chat about what our next steps at the UN might look like? Yes, so we'll be going back to the UN in March for the CSW again. So we always, like we said, we send a delegation of youth just to have a pro-life presence, support pro-life countries, and just to be aware of what's going on at the UN. Um, So I'm really excited to be back at the UN this coming March. Yeah, it's really exciting. Um, And then hopefully we'll also get back to the um, Commission on Population Development as well. But bringing that delegation of young people is just so lovely to to have a large group of, especially pro-life women. It's so empowering when we're there at the Commission on Status of Women with a group of strong pro-life women who care so deeply about this issue and they're so passionate um, and outspoken. It's really beautiful to just have like a huge support system because it can be really intimidating being in a space where everyone in that room is opposes your viewpoint and doesn't just oppose it, but actively, you know, has has some sense of hatred towards towards pro-lifers. Um, because we know that the way they talk about us in UN events, like we hear things like, you know, anti-rights actors, anti-choice actors. Mm-hmm. Um sort of this like dehumanization of you know us as pro-life people Mm -hmm. is really it's a disturbing thing um and being in a room full of people who oppose our view and are in favor of killing pre-born children is something that's surreal and also disturbing and Mm -hmm. satanic almost um so i think it's really um it's a powerful thing to be able to attend with so many with a large delegation of pro-life young women um which is just really beautiful um so that's what's next for us at the UN and of course we'll we'll offer more reports on that when that comes around as well um but hopefully in the future we can we can do a couple more episodes on the UN specifically because there's so many stories that we could share 
but today we just sort of wanted to give like an overview of what that looks like, what our activism has looked like so far, um, and what's to come. And so potentially we could have some of our um, allies on the show as well. That would be really cool. Um, Or potentially some of our delegates to share their stories firsthand. So um, stay tuned for those episodes as well. But ultimately today was just to give you an overview. Um, But I just wanted to thank everyone for tuning in to this episode. Um, And we hope to be back again very soon. Once again, we're coming back into this full swing. We're hoping to have a weekly episode out um, because, as I mentioned in the last episode, we have certainly been neglecting this for a while, but we're hoping to be back um, on a way more regular basis. So um, as I've mentioned, if you do have something you'd like us to discuss on the show, you can always send us an email at youth at campaignlifecoalition.com. Um, and uh, that will also be included in the show notes as well. Or you can reach out to us on social media if you have something that you'd like us to share. If you have a question, um, we're always willing to engage with our listeners. But Thank you so much, everyone, for tuning in. And thanks, Kim, for being here, as always. Um, And we look forward to seeing you all next week. 